This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest who is uh, no stranger to Apostolic Theory, um, and I guess you guys just can't get enough of Brother Kuhn because we've got Brother Carlton Kuhn with us again. Um, if you don't know who he is, he, he's an author, he's a, he's a pastor, um, he's, he's very involved in, in ministry and the edification of the body of Christ. Uh, so I'm just going to have him introduce himself again um, in case you haven't uh, heard any of the previous episodes or in case uh, maybe you skip past the introduction part. Yeah, I encourage you, if you're listening today, to uh, subscribe to apostolic theory and i like that name because i i think it it gives us room to think about what is our theory what what does this uh consist of how does this work what has been proven to work and and so i like that i like that name i'm i'm great for experimentation i don't like i don't like just settling in and never trying anything new so i like that idea of of theory um it's good to be with you i've written a book or two and uh, finishing up one now on gideon my next book and that won't be for men uh, i'm doing a rewrite of uh, a book that i guess i've sold more print copy of than any i, I don't know that that's actually the case because my discipleship material i've sold thousands and thousands and thousands of those take root and bear fruit um as well as what the bible says which is a which is a home bible study or topical home bible study i i just never could teach the charts so that kind of evolved uh, through the years became something that other people have used and it's been translated in a number of other languages uh spanish french and i know that it was translated into Afrikaans and South Africa. So, um, so anyway, I've enjoyed writing, and uh, initially, I wrote for uh, initially I wrote for just the general Christian audience. Then my writing began to focus on uh, disciple making, and that was kind of an evolving of my own experience. I, I realized that I was not going to be uh, super, super capable or superman as, as, a, as a preacher that we needed to keep the people we want. So I focused on discipleship and that again kind of evolved into, into series of lessons and even a course now that my son and I teach on disciple making that is available at the website. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of moving back toward that whole idea of Christian living. Uh, went through a season of writing pretty specifically to preachers, and I'm sure I'll do some more of that in time. But but I really, and I will, because I, I, I did one on master preaching, which is about evangelistic preaching, preaching the lost. But I've got burning in me this this uh, book on masterful teaching as well because I think think teaching is the strength of the church and we we don't do 
well with that. As a rule, we we that's not what we're putting into people. Is is that I'm talking about developing preachers now that. If you'll teach people the Word of God, and if you'll teach it in a practical, applicable way. So eventually I'll get around to that, but that just kind of gives a picture of some of the stuff I've done and I'm doing and fooling with now. In the Keep It Simple series, my next one will be on maximizing your Bible, and it'll be simple on how to read the Bible for the greatest benefit possible. So So one of your books that you've written, um, one of your series— uh, it's specifically targeted at helping Christians develop and mature. What do you see as the greatest challenges for us in bringing believers or even new converts into maturity? Well, I, I think the first thing is that we we need to know where we want to take them to. Hmm. And and what is a... What, what did Jesus define his disciples as? In the latter part of the book of John, he, he gets pretty clear on this. He, he talks about that his disciples will be fruitful. He said, by this shall, secondly, he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one to another. So, so disciples of Christ or people who love other imperfect people who also love them in spite of their imperfections. So there's there's fruitfulness, there is loving each other, and then there is uh, disciples abide in him and they abide in the word. And the word abide that is used there, the Greek word abide, means to exist in something like a fish exists in water. So to abide in the Word of God is not simply to read three verses before you go to church on Sunday. It, to abide in the Word is to exist marinating your brain in the Word of God, meditating on Scripture, letting the Word of God become the flavor of your life. Okay, so we, we need to know where we're trying to take people to. This is what we want them to become. And if we don't see that as the outset, then we're we're going to run into we're going to run into difficulty accomplishing it. If you don't know what your destination is, then then uh, kind of any place you land works out okay. Well, that's not that's not what we want. We want certain things, and and then teaching and training and challenging people toward those things is very important. Beyond that. Okay, now that we have a picture of where we want to take them to, I think the second is is kind of outside our control, uh, but we're living in a very low-commitment world. And, and, and it's an incredible challenge to get people nailed down and to get them to buy into not being someone who has put their toe in the water of Christian living, but actually is willing to swim toward the deep end of the pool. Um, those are, are challenges. The uh, and, and I think the third one kind of flows maybe from the second, or maybe the second flows from the third, but, but finding time to, 
and I'm not talking about it from the pastor's perspective, the church's perspective, but but the people that we work with now, if they have both time and money, they would rather give us their money than they would to give us their time. And so getting people to commit time toward their, their development is, is a very real challenge. So it's created how do we get this done how would paul be doing this if he were alive today how would what would he be saying to simon timothy or to timothy what would simon peter be writing us um and i think their message would be the same the objective would be the same but how are we going to arrive at that destination they might have tweaked a little bit yeah. So, in in your book, uh, you, you said you know you're going to be releasing a thirtieth anniversary edition uh, of uh, daily things for Christian living. Why don't we talk just a little bit about about that and about how how it will impact the reader? Well. Uh, in these seven things, and I'll I'll uh, I'll use Luke nine and twenty three. Jesus said, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself daily and take up his cross and follow me." Okay, so daily thing: let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me okay the word daily the way it's written in the original text is applied to everything that's included in this sentence so daily deny yourself daily take up your cross daily follow me all right so how do we get someone to daily deny themselves well Getting somebody to go on a three-day fast may well be a challenge, but if if we can get that person to fast from after they eat breakfast until six o'clock that night, that's that's a better fast than no fast at all. Okay, so so basically, it's it's and I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna sound like dumbing it down, but. I think we just have to see it as this is where the world is and this is how we're going to have to deal with it. And then in the book, I, I talk about denying ourselves the the way it's written. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know how to read Greek scholars. Uh, the way it's written, uh, it says, let him deny himself is actually a reference to a legal process and Hmm. it would be you being you having been granted a great inheritance but you come in front of the judge or you come before the executor of the will and you say i know my name's on that will but i want to x my name out and so to not to deny oneself is to x myself out of the equation so I'm saying, 
I could do this. I have the right to do this. I have the prerogative to do this, but I X myself out so that I will not take advantage of that particular prerogative. Deny myself on a daily basis. And so Christ is interested in our denying ourselves. Okay, the the second thing is what I really focus on. Let him take up his cross daily. Okay, the cross defines and describes Christ's purpose. He didn't come to perform miracles. He didn't turn. He didn't come to turn water into wine. He came to redeem humanity, and that happened at the cross. The cross defines its purpose. So let him not take up his cross. Let him take up his purpose daily. Follow me. Okay. Now, application is what you were talking about, okay? In self-denial, I will challenge people to fast. I'll challenge them to take an extended season where they turn off social media. I'll, I'll challenge them to deny themselves uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime and any of that other stuff that's out there. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Deny yourself reading the newspaper or whatever your favorite news source is. The world will go on without you reading all that. Um, Deny yourself. Deny yourself food. Okay. And then when it comes to talking about purpose, a a person's purpose for the kingdom of God is defined on what was put into them in their being created. What are their talents? What are they passionate about? What are the gifts that are in them according to Romans chapter 12, verses 8 through 10? Um, Are they an introvert or extrovert? What is their personality type? Are they phlegmatic or choleric or, or sanguine or, or melancholic? Um, again, all of that becomes who we are. All of that, you know, I, I will never be the life of the party. And again, I'm old enough now to be comfortable in my own skin with that. I, I you know, I have friends who they just come into the place lights up. Well, I come in and it don't light up, um, and and I'm all right with that. Um, but earlier in life, I probably there were times when I wasn't all right with that. Um, so in that section of it, I try to help the person identify who they are and what God wants them to do with who they are. Okay, mm. so now we're putting it to work. On a daily basis, this is what, this is my purpose for God. This is what I'm going to do for Him. Okay, so that's that's kind of what it looks like, and I, I do that with "Give me this day, give us this day our daily bread." I die daily, all of the various components of it, and it's a much better book than the one that I wrote 30 years ago. That's for sure. <laughs> How do you see the future shaping up in regard to uh, Christian living and how that uh, affects the local church in developing people to work for Jesus Christ? Well, I, I, 
I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, and, and I spend I spend a measure of time thinking about what I call future church because if you don't think about the future to arise without you being ready for it, and the church of today and the way we do church today is very different than the church that I was born into or the church that I pastored in, in the late seventies. Um, so we can see those changes, but more important than seeing those changes is, is where do we go from here? What, what's tomorrow? Well, I, I think, I think we're going to have to be more effective with using the technology that mm-hmm. God has, has given to us. And I'm not just talking about putting our services online. I mean, we, we've got to figure out how to do this uh, with messages that are three minutes long and getting the gospel out in, in sound bites as it, as it were, because that's, that's, that's our world now. It's not, you know, it's not 20 minute sermons. It's, it's, and then I think the same in making disciples. We're going to have to take advantage of the use of social media. We're going to take the use. And and since we're not getting to eyeball the people who we're investing into, uh, we're going to have to repeat, 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 repeat. Redundancy is the mother of learning. So we're going to have to say things over and over again from multiple ways and multiple directions, as well as as well as the traditional approaches that we have used, um, and we we probably would do well to give some consideration to the way the first century church did church. Um, I heard it quoted all of my life, forsake not the assembling of the uh, of yourselves together as a matter of some is. And I certainly think that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But what that mean to the audience who originally read that? And you you read about the way they did church, and there's not a whole lot in there even about how they did church and not, not a lot in history, but I don't know that they were meeting two and three times a week. I'm not sure that they were even meeting once a week. So how does that look? How do, what are we aiming for? What are we, and that goes back kind of that idea of what are we aiming them for? Um, and so we're just going to, have to work at that. It's going to be trial and error. We're going to try things that just don't work, but we're going, to, we're going to have to expand our approach. I'm very convinced of that. Hmm. Well, give us some give us some uh, some examples or uh, a sense of the priorities that you personally uh, have when you're developing uh, a convert into a strong saint of God. Okay, if you if you came to church Sunday and and uh, 
you had been taught a home Bible study, or even you were just a guest and decided you wanted to be baptized, when you came out of the baptistry, we would have an altar counselor who would immediately connect with you and say, I'm Joe or Tom or whatever. And and when you get changed back into your street clothes, uh, I'd like to get acquainted with you and spend about 15 minutes with you. Okay. We're going to, we're going to set the rocket on the launch pad that very day, that night, that service. Um, that person is going to receive a little book that I uh, wrote for them to work through the first 10 days of, of their Christian life. It's very simple. What we're trying to get them to do is to get into the Bible, to get into the Word of God, to look at it a little bit. Okay, one of the other things that's in the packet of what they receive is um, is the prayer clock thing. And it begins with praise and goes all the way around and ends with praise. And the way it was initially presented is is uh, take five minutes for each of these and you're prayed an hour. Well, the way we approach it is they're given, um, I don't know if we're given a CD or USB or whatever, but anyway, they're given something that instructs them on each of those. And it says, okay, praise is simply expressing your appreciation and celebrating what Christ has done in your life. And so now I want you to turn off your computer, whatever you're using and all hit the pause button. And I want you to spend the next minute praising the Lord. And it goes all the way around the clock with that kind of instruction and an explanation given. Okay. The goal is to get them praying at least 12 minutes a day. Okay. Well, now that that's, that's 12 more minutes than they were praying before. And it's 12 more minutes than a whole lot of other Christians are praying. So my goal is to, is to get them. And then the other part of what's on that is, uh, we will instruct, go to, I don't remember what book of the Bible we're using now, but go to such and such chapter and read the first paragraph. We break it down, not in chapters, but in paragraphs. Okay, looking at that paragraph, who is writing this? Who are they writing to? When you read it, what are the questions that you see there that you would like to know more about? Uh, When you read that, what do you see as the message to the original reader? Again, my goal here is not to get them reading five chapters a day none of which they understand, but to read one paragraph a day, understanding that paragraph and being left with something to think about for the rest of the day. So that kind of gives an idea of the priorities. We introduce them to some different Christian music um, and so forth. So uh, that's at the outset. We talk with them about our discipleship classes we talk with them about a home bible study if they've not had one and again it's just kind of putting the putting the rocket on the launch pad and we want to impress on them that this is not the high point of your christian life this is the birthing stage of your christian life so along the stages of walking you know with god um you know there has to be a maturing process 
So, you know, as a, like a tender plant, you know, we grow in God. And so the more that, the more that we're watered, the more that we read, the more that we understand, you know, we grow. And then eventually we're not a tender plant anymore and we're a tree and we're a firm. We've got a nice foundation and, and we're rooted in the word of God and rooted in the, in the church family. Um, but, you know, there's, there's got to be, and I, I, obviously, I believe theology is important. I believe we ought to understand, you know, the Godhead. And I believe that we, you know, ought to, ought to study, you know, these, these more intricate uh, parts of, of the knowledge of God. But, you know, there's got to be a starting point. You know, we can't, and the Bible talks about it, you know, feeding them uh, meat when they're not ready. Right. And so you've got this project that you've done. It's called Keep It Simple Saints. Right. So talk to us a little bit about about what that is and how that kind of corresponds with what I was just talking about. Well, my long-term objective with, with Keep It Simple Saints and is to – is to put resources into people's hands that equip them to do things that unfortunately we have assumed that they could figure out. And I I grew up in in a wonderful church. My parents were great Christians. Um, They were as faithful to God and it was a very rural church in central Louisiana. It was a very strong rural church. Uh, they taught me a lot of things, but they didn't teach me how to have a personal devotion. They told me I needed to have one, but they didn't teach me how to do it. So I was probably in my late 20s and had been preaching a long time before I really learned how to have a personal devotion because I had not been taught. And I think, I think across the board, we are, we are unfortunately presuming that people know things that they don't because we don't get it basic enough. We don't get it, uh, to use the same passage you use, we don't get it to where it's milk. We're, you know, we're kind of, uh, and I've seen this, transpire we're it's kind of like you know our junior sunday school teacher quits and so on saturday at nine o'clock we call so and so and say i need a junior teacher and and uh i just feel like you'll be the perfect fit and come by the office in the morning and pick up the the teacher's manual and and uh, there'll be nine kids in classroom such and such for you to go teach tomorrow well that person is not, unless they've taught that age before, they're not equipped to do that. They're not ready for that. Um, we do too much of that. And and so I, I really have in mind about 50 different topics that I would like to write one of these Keep It Simple Saints uh, books about. They are usually going to be 40 to 60 pages long. Um, the goal being, again, to just 
help people to learn how to maximize their Bible, to help people to understand the concept of tithing, to help people to understand how to dig deeper in the Word of God. Um, and, you know, again, it's not going to be deep theology. I will do some stuff on the oneness of God and speaking in tongues and because I think I think explained in simple, understandable fashion it helps us, but uh, we need help with just the practical with, with uh, you know, I've taken on an hour prayer shift at the church. What do I do for that hour kind of stuff? Um, is is what I'm and and this is kind of what we reach for with our whole new converts process is that we want to put content into their hand. Uh, I uh, our first level is called take root, the second is bear fruit, and then the third where we find their gift and ministry is fit to frank. Well, take root and bear fruit come come from. Uh, in the Old Testament, I think there's three different passages that say take root downward and bear fruit upward. Okay. Well, you can't bear fruit up if you hadn't taken root down. So we spend some time on on these basics of prayer and spending time in the Word of God as well as doctrinal truths. Okay, now bear fruit upward has to do with Christian responsibilities. And then fitly framed helps them find their place in ministry. So Again, the goal is to is to get people functioning in the body of Christ. And what I'm seeing now, I was out, I was absent from pastoring for 12 years while I was at headquarters. Um, it's it's taking longer to get people. Okay, if if we say first base is their conversion, they are running very very slow getting to second base. It's taken a long time to move them to a level of commitment after they're converted. And so that's that, that's kind of a shift. I'm not sure I've seen it if I've been in pastoring all of these 12 years, but it's, it's and, and so we're going to have to give them the ingredients to do some of this stuff on their own. Right. Absolutely. So what are some things that you see as vital uh, to living a healthy Christian life? Well, the, the, the things that I talked about earlier in abiding in the Word is one. Um, we need our people to be more in the Scripture. And as, as a pastor, I need... I need to teach the Word of God, and I need to preach the Word of God, not just preach about the Word of God, but I need to I need to expositionally examine the Word. And when I do that, it's interesting how often the Word of God brings us to a place where it's very, very relevant to somebody in that audience. I may not even know its relevance. Um, the, he has magnified his Word above his name he has not magnified what I say about his word above his name and yet in many instances our preaching and teaching has a thimble full of Bible and a whole whole lot of 7,000 illustrations 
the authorities in the word of God, the authorities in the scripture, the authority. And so we, we have to get people into the word, reading that paragraph at a time, questioning the text, learning the text, understanding the text. And then we have to preach and teach in ways that get people into the word of God, not, not just pursuing emotion, but get them into the word of God, explain it in an understandable way. Um, you know, I, I have teaching is kind of my forte. We, we have people from all over the world who watch, uh, a Bible study that who watch a Bible study or, or the Bible studies that I teach. Um, and, and we'll comment. So, and I felt years ago, I, I believe that the greatest, I believe the next wave of revival is going to come to churches who will teach the scripture in a relevant and applicable way. And, and help people to understand the Word of God. Um, that that's that's the first. Second is our our prayer life, and I'm I'm talking about now for people that have been in the church a long time. Uh, too much of our prayer is noise without thought. And you read the prayers of the Bible as well as the praise of the Bible, and it's all in complete sentences. But you listen to a lot of our praying, and it's a lot of hallelujah and help me, Jesus. And and uh, so what what are we hallelujah about? And what would, do we need Jesus to help us in specific? So we, we need to develop people who have a different kind of prayer mentality. They have conversations with God and they're comfortable with conversational prayer. That's, that's healthy. That's the way it should work. And then the third that somehow fits into this is allowing these two things to develop in their lives, the fruit of the spirit whether they do have self-control, whether they are patient, whether all of these things that are qualities of the fruit of the Spirit exist in their lives. Okay, that's that's vital. Those things make us what we uh, become. Um, and then the other that I really have been working on lately, beginning with our leadership team, is... To, to take another look at how mature Christians should deal with their emotions and getting some, some element of emotional intelligence where that we're not just, we're not just reacting to whatever life comes, sends our way, not basing our decisions on our feelings, but we're, we're basing our decisions on what does the word of God want me to do? What should a mature Christian do with this? Um, I see all of that as, as essential. Absolutely. And then let me add one other thing. I think every Christian without exception is commissioned of God 
to fulfill a role of service in the body of Christ. And if we did a true assessment of many of our, of our churches, we have 80% unemployment. And how can that church be healthy? And how can the 80% who are unemployed be healthy saints if they're not doing anything meaningful for the work of God other than bringing an offering and maybe they're tithing? Which again is significant and important, but is that their ministry? Mm. Wow. Wow. That is a that is a good that is a good question. Because you'll see more often than not that there are even in even in a church service where there are certain saints that are carrying that church service. Right. When then people wonder, and, I, and I'm, of, I'm of the persuasion and the belief that the more you put in the, into a service, the more you'll get out of it. So if right. you're actively investing yourself in the church service that you're a part of, you're going to get that back. Yeah. Yeah, I... I agree and and I think that's across the board in all aspects of Christian life that that if you invest into it if you I, I heard the quote or read it somewhere years ago if you live for God easy it's hard but if you live for God hard it's easy so if, if you make the effort if you if you put in the time if you uh whether it's the word of God or prayer or doing ministry. And when I say doing ministry, the ministry may well be vacuuming the floor to make sure the place looks nice for Sunday. It, it, it may not be super spiritual, but all of those are vital to an effective church. And if they're not done, then, you know, people walk in the door immediately having a negative and you got to overcome the negative them to want to come back so uh so all of this i think is is just so important as a matter of fact that's what caused bitly frame to eventually happen is because i really got to study in this issue of of uh service and ministry and romans 12 and and um there, there's three verses there that list gifts that I don't think are spiritual gifts. I think they're motivational gifts that are put into us at conception. And it's what makes us think the way we think and act the way we think. And it covers everything from leadership to giving to having compassion. Um, so if a person has such and such a gift, how's that gift put to work? How does it? fit in and it, it makes such a difference in a person's level of contentment if they're doing something meaningful for the body of Christ they're not just spectators and you know I'm I'm past my prime as an athlete but I'd still rather be on the court or on the field than I had to be on the bench any day of the week and um which leaves you hurting the next day terribly bad. But <laughs> that's beside the point, I guess. But I think that's the way most people are. They'd rather be engaged and involved, but we have not challenged that as the norm. 
Right. So we would do well. We would do well to get people more involved. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, if uh, I heard Kenneth Haney say it for, Lord, he must have said it 50 times in the four or five years we worked together. If you don't, if you don't use them, you lose them. And that's very true of new converts. If we don't get our converts engaged in doing something meaningful, they won't, they won't stay with us. So there you have it, folks. Brother Kuhn talking to us on the subject of Christian living and how we can ourselves invest in the body of Christ to excel and expand the kingdom of God. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you again today. We appreciate you, Brother Kuhn. All right. Bless you. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.